the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Hello and welcome to the Farm Advisory Service podcast. My name is George Gawley and this is the third podcast in our series, Building Resilience. Today I'm joined by Neil Sandilands. Neil runs the business of West Rolston Sheep on Upper Hundley Farm, along with business partner Stephen Withers. The partnership commenced back in 2008, giving a young Neil Sandilands, starting with nothing as a new entrant, a foothold into the industry. Now, over 12 years later, Neil has used his skills as a stockman and passion for sheep to help build the business up from 600 ewes to 1,800 lamb this year. Neil hopes to have a total of 2,000 for topping 2020. I caught up with Neil to try to find out a wee bit more about what it is that makes his business resilient and what success means to him. Neil Sandilands from Upper Hunderley Farm. Welcome along. Thanks for having me. Neil, uh, can we just start, maybe, um, would you be able to give us a, a wee overview of Upper Hunderley Farm? What sort of size and what kind of uh, system are you running? So Upper Hunderley Farm is a 500 acre, uh, last favourite area of land which sits on top of the Dunyan Hill, just outside Jedburgh. Uh, it's a mixed farm. We run 70 suckler cows, 2,000 breeding ewes, and there's about 450 acres of arable between Upper Handley and Western Alston, which is the other farm, which is just on the other side of the town. Fantastic. And how did it all start? How Tell us a wee bit about what... what attracted you to a career in farming? Well, my dad and my uncle uh, are both, uh, both my uncles are both farmers and it's been in in my blood all my life, really. Uh, my dad and my uncle had a small tenancy on a farm just outside Ancrum, which they gave up just before I left the school. So I never had the chance to follow on. And I've just been working on farms all my life. Fantastic. And um, so how did you start farming where you are, are now? Did it start off as a um, sort of casual jo- job? Uh, tell us a wee bit more about the the way you've sort of built, built your way up to where you are now. So I started working for Stephen Withers in 1997. And I worked for him for 10 years as a general farmhand. But I felt I needed to further my career, so I left and went self-employed for for a while. And almost a year after I left, Stephen contacted me, wondering if I would like to, to go into partnership with him on the sheep side, which I found quite an attractive offer, really. Great. And... Tell us a wee bit about. Um, tell us a wee bit more about uh, sort of how you've built that up. Um, 
over the last last number of years? When did you start and, and with how many sheep were you sort of farming at that time compared to where you are now? So when the partnership started in 2008, started on the 1st of June, and there was uh, 600, 600 breeding sheep in total and other lambs, which was about 900 lambs. Uh, and now, over the years, we've built it up to, there's 2,000 ewes, just over 2,000 ewes going to the top this year. And we also have 650 ewe lambs to go into the breeding system next year. So, Neil, you've you've mentioned the partnership with Stephen. How, how did that um, come, come about? What was the decision for, for going down that route? Well, Stephen's wife used to do most of the sheep work and she hurt her back, so was no longer able to to do the work. And it was Stephen's least favourite part of the farm, I would say. So he was, he was looking for somebody to, to take it on and, and do the work. Tell us a wee bit about um, sort of how, how that system has changed and developed over over time um you mentioned that you you've gone up from from 600 ewes um you know slow, slowly building your way up to what, what will be two two thousand um how is how is that how is that gradually developed and and changed you know what's your your thinking thinking behind that yeah so so in, in 2008 when i took over there wasn't enough sheep to justify being there all the time so it was set up that it was almost like six months of work and the other six months i worked away uh, doing other things i did a couple of lambings and i uh I helped a local shearing contractor through the summer but I more or less did the work when it suited me, as long as it was done properly. But as time went on, we increased the numbers um, so that I could spend more time at Handley and less time away doing other things. And it was just about making it pay, really. And another change you've, you've made is you, you've, you've gone from selling um, 100% store, store lambs to now uh, finishing everything so, so tell us a wee bit more about you sort of how, how many um lambs you're now finishing and you know why did you decide to make that change well when i took over the sheep maybe weren't as as well looked after as they should have been and we felt that we put stubble turnips in after after winter barley so we utilized the ground that way and we tried to finish as many as we could off grass um, and then in 2010, our next door neighbour sold all his sheep off and we got the chance of the land, which gave us a bit more scope to, to run things even wider. And as times went on, we've just upped the numbers and the grass has gotten better and we've put in turnips and kale to, to get things finished. And obviously there's tail end ones need a bit of cake and stuff, but it, it's obviously paid to finish them rather than to store them. One of the 
main changes, Neil, has obviously been the, the creation of the partnership. Um, can you tell us a wee bit more about how that partnership ag- agreement works? You know, what's what's the what's the ins and outs of it? Um, how does it work on a on a sort of practical level? At the beginning, Stephen put in all the sheep, um, the handling system, mobile pens, um, stock trailer, quad bike. He put all that in at a value. And I put in absolutely nothing apart from my time. And to start with, Stephen took 60% of the profit and I took 40%. But as time has went on, that's been changed now to 50-50. And in 2018, the partnership managed to purchase 200 acres of land. So we've got a bit of um, asset value now as well. Brilliant. And have you been sort of buying into that equity over over the period of the last however many years it is since you you, you started off? Have you been um, slowly uh, building your your share up? Yes. Yes. Over the over the period, we both took a took a wage, a sad wage every week. So I took mine to live, and, and um, if there was any profit at the end of the year after the wages was out, I left mine in to the business to try and build up some capital in the business. Fantastic. And um, was there an official partnership agreement drew up at the time, Neil, or, or how, how did that um, side, side of things work? How complicated was it to actually... Um, put this down on paper and to come up with an agreement? Stephen, Stephen got his solicitor to, to draw up a very simple agreement um, that if either of us wanted out the partnership, we had to give the other one six months notice and we both had the right to buy the other one out at that point or at any point. Um, it's a very simple agreement. Um, a lot of it is yeah. based on trust. Tell us a bit, a bit more about Upper Hunderley itself because that's also been a, a massive change. You, you've um, you've purchased that farm um, recently uh, through the, the backing of the partnership, essentially. Tell us a wee bit more about why um, you decided to, to buy Upper Hunderley and, um, yeah, how was how that sort of possible uh, through the partnership? Yeah, so, so Upper Hunderley... It's actually, it's actually part of Stephen's farm, but the, the 200 acres that we purchased was part of Handley, the Handley below. Um, there's a, a couple owns it, and we'd been renting half of it for a couple of years, and they decided to sell it, and they gave us the chance. Um, now, for me to go to the bank and borrow that kind of money myself, they would just have laughed at me. But because Stephen has quite a good asset value, we was, be, we was able to buy it as a partnership together and pay the mortgage that way. Brilliant. And Neil, how, how, how have those changes uh, essentially since two, 2008, um, how, how have they benefited the, the business um, both from, from your point of view and, and from Stephen's point of view? 
what what's been the main Im- impact of um, going into partnership and, and you know building the the flock up? Yeah, well, for me, it's been a no-brainer because it's given me a regular income. Um, as most self-employed people will know, there is times where it's a bit harder to get work sometimes. Um, it's also given me great pride to, to be able to build up this business the way it has from where it started to where it is now. And for Stephen, who is starting to get older now and wanting to do a bit less, it's meant that his farm's still growing even though he's no actively doing as much as he was. Brilliant. And it's also obviously allowed you to build your share of the business up from uh, from nothing essentially to now having 50% of the the share in the partnership. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm probably worth a lot more money now than I was back in 2008 even though most of it's either running about or tied up as land, but it's still it's still been um, well worth it. And what what have you found most challenging about the change since um, since essentially starting the the partnership and and building up since two thousand and eight? What's been the the main challenge? Um, to start with, to start with, it was uh, finding land. To expand on, it was it was very difficult. But as times went on, land has become available, and and we've snapped it up as best we could. And in terms of the, the actual farming um, changes that that have taken place, Neil, what what's 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 been the the most challenging aspect of growing the flock and 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 sort of changing from a a, st- a store producer to a um, finished producer. How how have you had to uh, sort of adapt to to that size of a flock and uh, system? Yeah, well, we've made various improvements um, to try and make things happen faster because you're working with bigger n- numbers of sheep now. Um, we've purchased a, a combi clamp with a three-way shader, which makes sorting and drafting sheep a lot easier. Um, and I have a very good uh, member of staff which who helps when I need them. Um, good staff are hard to find. Um, and also we're in the process of uh, trying to trying to get some more some more land if we possibly could to to spread things out even more. And what do you think has made those changes easier? What do you think is is the main um, reason um, that you you you've been able to to make these changes successfully? I would say I'm a very um, very competitive person, and I, and I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. So it makes it a lot easier if you're enjoying what you're doing. And have you had, you've obviously had huge support from Stephen. Um, does that extend to, to sort of friends and family? Were you encouraged, uh, you know, back back in 2008 when, when you were contemplating, you know, whether this was a good idea or a bad idea? Yeah, yeah. To start with, I was quite apprehensive at the very beginning. 
and I took advice from a dad and for a family friend who who's done been a manager in several different places and he said it was a, a no-brainer because I had nothing to lose apart from my time to start with. And how, how important has um, Stephen, your 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 business partner, been? You know, through the whole process of um, building up the flock. Oh, he's been massively important. Um, he, he more or less stood back and let me do what I wanted to do as soon as I started. And I've completely changed the breeds of sheep and up the numbers and it's been it's blocked me every single time. And every time we've wanted to do something, if it's involved go to the bank, he's went to the bank and we've talked about it and made a plan and and he's backed me every time and without his backing none of this would have been possible. Yeah, fantastic. And what are you currently working on just just at the moment? Nail to improve your Farm, what what are you currently working on? Well, on the on the on the land that we we purchased two years ago, it, it was pretty pretty old grass and hasn't been very well looked after, really. So we've been working around it with limes and 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 plowing some of it out and reseeding and trying to get better quality grass in. And also, we're we're in the process of building four large corrals. For winter, winter in the use on rather than being out in the fields all winter to try and make the grass better in the spring when they come out the lambing shed. Yeah, so grassland management is is something that that you're uh, actively sort of seeking to to improve, and I guess is is going to ultimately allow you to to build those sheep numbers up to um to your target of of two thousand. Yes, it is. Yeah, definitely. Upper hand, upper hand, Lee becomes quite wet in the winter. So, Neil, what, what, uh, what future changes are you hoping to make? Well, as we grow the numbers, I can see us possibly changing to an outside lambing, maybe, because lambing staff are getting good. Lambing staff are getting harder to find. So maybe changing from indoor to outdoor lambing might be something we might contemplate in the future what steps have you taken to allow your business to cope with with other um, ex- external factors such as um, low prices uh, brexit climate change politics you know all those things that, that are Essentially, outside of your control, have you taken any any steps to to sort of um, make you more able to cope with those things, or do you tend not to worry about those things? Oh, I wouldn't say I don't worry so much, but this business has been built with no single farm payment at all. Stephen took all the payment at the start. It's only on the 200 acres that we bought in 2018 that we actually get any basic payment on now. So I think this business is pretty well equipped to stand Brexit or or uh, no payment at all in the future. Yeah, and you you've also, I guess, one of the main steps that you've you've taken maybe on 
on Wernley is you know you've you've effectively started a, a partnership which is essentially um, helping you to split any any risk or, or vol- vol- volatility that is there. You know, um, do you, do you feel as if that that gives you more security um, in some ways? You know, compared to uh, somebody out working by themselves or with everything invested? Yeah, I would say so. I, th- I think because there's two of us, we, we split the risk a bit, yes. Um, it does. I, I think it does help. It, it, it makes you not so, so worried about it. And do you think changing from the, you know, ch- changing from, from 600 use uh, with a store system and and now you know um you've you've lambed you know over, over 1800 use this year selling finished do you think that that helps to protect against um some volatility with market prices do you feel more comfortable with that that system uh, than you did before when you started out yeah definitely definitely now now that we've changed the breed and the type of lambs that we're producing is what what the what the market is craving at the minute. Um, so I feel that they're they're pretty easy to sell if you have the right product. These are all factors that we almost um, that you've almost unwarily um, sort of ch- changed without maybe thinking about um, the reasons you were. Making those changes, but but I guess they all do do help uh, to 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 deal with those ex- ex- external factors. Um, what are the main challenges that 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 you're facing today at this moment? You know, what's your main main challenge that that you're um, today uh, actively sort of seeing to over overcome? I would say the main challenge is getting getting good staff to help at busy times and at lambing time. They're becoming very scarce. There's not not enough self-employed people in the industry looking to work with stock. I don't think. Yeah, and that's more of an issue for somebody um, lambing eighteen hundred to two thousand. Use compared to a much smaller, smaller producer. That's right. Yeah, I mean, when we started, we had Stephen used to do night shift at the lambing and had one person through the day. But now we have one person through the night and I have another two persons through the day. So it's a lot harder to get people. And have you thought about um, ways of overcoming that? Have you have you um, have you tr- tried to to sort of seek um, lambing students from from colleges, or or you know, what 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 are your thoughts on you know how 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 you might deal with that challenge uh, going forward? Well, one of the ways I've thought about it is to to lamb outside because you need less staff, but then you're up against the weather. Um, I've tried breeding some staff. I've got a, a young son and a young daughter coming through that I hopefully can help in the future. Um, but I haven't went down the route. We have had college students in the past. Um, some have been very good and some have been not so good. 
but we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an ever growing, um, it's never d- developing um, situation, and I guess you just, um, you almost, uh, it's almost just one of those things that you need to deal with um, when the time, time things and when the time comes and, and, you know, try try to be as proactive as you can. But as you said, it's not an easy, it's not an easy challenge to get the right person. That's right. You need somebody that you can trust, somebody that can work on their own, I would say. Um, yeah. Somebody that's good at making decisions for themselves. And um, just moving on from that, Neil, um, we're just thinking about the the topic of resilience and I I just wanted to ask you, you know, what is it that makes your business resilient? Um, And I guess you you as as an individual resilient, is it your, the team that you've got around you, is it your family Um, or have you got a particular skill skill set that, that, you know, um, makes you as an individual, able to um, adapt to to change and to um, keep on moving forward. What is it that what what is the the, the single thing that that or multiple thing that that you think you know makes you you tick? Well, I would say I'm a, I've always been a glass half full kind of person, so I always look at the positives rather than the negatives. And I think the fact that the business is run more or less with no basic payment, which is a big, big thing for any business. And I have a, a really good circle of friends who are quite willing to muck in if they need need to in, in harder times. I would say one of my biggest things is I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I like things to be right. And I think that that shows in the stock that, that leaves the farm. Neil, just moving on from the resilience um, points, I just wanted to move move on to success. And I just wanted to ask you, from your point of view, what is success and how do you measure it? It's a difficult question, but, but uh, I'd be interested to hear what your your thoughts were on that? I think the, one of the biggest things is having repeat customers coming buying your stock, whether it's breeding stock or or finished lambs or anything like that or tips. If they come back year on year, it obviously means that you're doing something something right, and that gives you great pride. I would say. Neil, I just wanted to ask you what what is it that that drives you personally um you know what is it that that makes you want to to do what you're doing well i really enjoy it that's the first thing i I get up in the morning and i look forward to going to work every day but as i said earlier I'm, i'm a bit of a perfectionist and i'm very competitive which drives me on to to bigger and better things i would say What's your your long long term plan? Have you got a long term plan for the business, or are you one of those people that, that prefers to 
enjoy what they're doing and adapt to uh, life day by day. Um, what sort of, uh, in which category are you? I would say I'm more in the adapt as life throws things at you, to be honest. But I do have a dream of one day having 4,000 yows. Um, but that's not a long-term business plan. That's just a more of a dream and aspiration. And um, you you mentioned that, that you're, um, in terms of a numbers point of view, you know, um, you mentioned that that you're aiming to, you're almost there, but but you mentioned you know, the the number of 2,000 views would would be a um, is the number that you're aiming aiming for you know um would you be in a position to to stop at that point and and to keep those sorts of numbers or are you um or are you you, you know hoping to grow that that further or would you you know ra- rather you know focus on on the quality um of the, those um 2000 you use uh, what are your plans in terms of the sheep well at the moment I would say 2000 is about as much as we can hold on the acreage we have I think if we were to up the numbers anymore there'd have to be more land acquired or, or rented um, so yeah. about 2000 is right for, for what or, we have or perhaps may, or perhaps may, may make um, significant um, improvements you mentioned liming was a was a big um something that you were focusing on or um yeah you know maybe uh, have you thought about rotational grazing or or that type of uh, system to to try and um you know make more efficient use of existing pasture or um what what are your thoughts in terms of um you know grassland management Rotational grazing is something that we've looked into, but because it, the grass is rotated or arable every three or four years, it, it makes it more difficult to to manage. But it's something that we have been looking into. Great. And Neil, I've just some of my closing questions. Um, I'm just going to move move on now, and I'm just going to ask you something a wee bit different. Um, what has been the the, the biggest high point for you uh, so so far in your farming journey? Well, quite keen at, at, uh, at sheep showing and in 2018 we were reserve overall sheep at, at Kelso Show with a Beltex Gimmer, which was a, a real high point for me. But the highest point so far has to be has to be being nominated for Sheep Farmer of the Year uh, this year, and I'm into the final three, but due to COVID, has not been announced yet. Fantastic. Well, uh, best of luck with that, Neil, and uh, we wish you all the best for that. Um, you've had some some great highs. Uh, what what's been the the biggest low? The highs don't come without the lows, unfortunately. Um, What's been the biggest low, low for you, and you know how did you deal with that and uh, move move through it? I would say the biggest low has to be when we had the beast from the east at lambing time, 
the bad weather and the snow and I had to go out one morning and pick up about 60 or 70 dead lambs and and that that for me was a, a real low um, I'm not sure how I dealt with it at the time but I must have because I'm still here and um, you're you're very uh, fortunate I guess in some ways to, to have you know such a great business partner um, was there any sort of lows um, or challenges you know um, at the very start when you were you know building up the, the partnership with Stephen you know uh, was there some irony, ironing out that needed done initially in the first sort of couple of years um, or did it all all sort of seem to, to work quite well from the beginning I think it worked really well right from the start simply because we, we knew each other. We'd worked together for several years before we started it. And, and it, it just all seemed to fit into place without a problem. My last question, I guess, Neil, would be um, what would your, your top tips to other young farmers um, that find themselves in a similar to position to where you were back in 2008, uh, you know, prior to the start of the, the partnership, what, what tips would you give to, to young folk, you know, starting out um, without, a, a, without the step into the industry that, that you didn't have either? Well, I would say never give up on your dreams. If it's something you really want to do, keep pushing and you'll you'll get there. But I have, I have a couple of things here. I, I would never don't fear change. Never be scared to try something different because you never know it might work. The best way to learn is to make a mistake without a doubt. And always look forward. Never look back at what you've done. Just because it worked last year doesn't mean to say it'll work this time. Always be prepared to adapt. Yeah, that's great Great advice, Neil. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to, to talk to us today. It's been a pleasure, George. Thank you. Thank you to Neil for taking the time to talk to us today and providing such an interesting insight into your, your farming business. The Farm Advisory Service is running four podcasts on resilience and business skills which will be followed by the webinar on the 26th of November. This will give you the opportunity to ask the four farmers on the panel additional questions about their business and find out what makes them resilient and what success means to them. You can find out more about the Farm Advisory Service on www.fas.scot.com or if you need to call the helpline, dial 0300 32 30